past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Clear my throat out there. Oh, as usual, things are constantly changing, and uh, we're out here just trying to stay abreast of all the news, everything that's happening financially. And uh, actually, there's not a whole lot going on financially. I mean, I'm surprised how resilient the economy's been. That's that's a good thing. And I look at how things are going, uh, where the technology's leading us. And if you, if you think about it, by the way, why is technology so important? Well, it's important because it kind of has shaped the future for the past few hundred years. It's always been new technologies that come out and increase our standard of living, unless you live in Russia. The uh, You see the pictures of, of Russian towns and look how old and dilapidated they, they look. That's what happens when you have oligarchs and uh, people who just you know crave power more than anything else. Um, but anyway. Getting off the subject there, the uh, which I have a tendency to do a lot. For anybody that knows me, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Mine's always busy, and uh, it's you know it's, I'm in the perfect business because things are constantly changing, and uh, whether it's technology or or what, it doesn't really matter. But um, you know, when you look at what is happening, uh, it, it's very tragic. And it's causing some certain things, certain industries to get pick up more traction, which are going to lead to new jobs, new careers, new money, um, bigger economies, and better lifestyles all around eventually. Eventually, that, that kind of stuff is going to happen. So it's interesting, super interesting. And when they say it's different this time, it's an incredibly different, different this time. And I'm just glad I'm uh, here and uh, feel like I have a, a comfortable grasp. Uh, one of the, actually, one of the things you really need to know if you're trying to do, I don't care what kind of planning you're trying to do. You, you need to know whenever, whatever the, the goal is that you have in mind. It's not what you know that is important. It's what you don't know that might pop up and give you a surprise that's important. So you try to be as prepared as you possibly can, knowing that there are certain things that you're just never going to be able to know. 
but you just uh, put in as much effort to gain as much knowledge about everything uh, that may have an impact on your, and especially in your financial future. But that's, that's with everything. I mean, that's putting satellites out into orbit, you know, the uh, um, building a new car. It's everything should be, I would think that that would be kind of normal. Figure out what your goals are. Okay. Figure out what the best way to get to those goals are. Try to be aware of, of anything that might be, uh, disruptive along that process and uh, knowing that you can't plan for every item, but you need to get the, the big ones down. And, um, so I was just watching a, a documentary on, on Boeing and how much their process has changed in making planes, the jet planes and how much more efficient they are and how much, yeah, it's super high tech. I mean, unbelievable the technology that they're using to put these planes together no wonder they they go so far so fast and use a whole lot less fuel than they used to and the planes are stronger you know it's just mind-boggling so it's interesting i really like to see um, that kind of stuff i like to see that where there's progress that's still being made behind all the bad news that's out today uh it's there's still a lot of really good things going on. There's some massive gains in some major technologies that are going to come to the forefront here sooner or later. Um, they always do. But I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, the future, actually. And there's so many things that, uh, you know, just developing uh, methodologies to reduce the uh, effect on the climate. That's come a long way. And it's starting to accelerate and pick up some some ground here. And, uh, you know, in, in the next few shows, I'll, I'll actually dig up some examples of that so that I can uh, give that to you. And, and by the way, I send out a newsletter. If you'd like to see it, I don't write it. I edit it. So somebody makes suggestions and then uh, I'll uh, decide which one articles I want to send out. And we send those out. And I try to send out the ones that I think are, are most appropriate for now. And oftentimes it's uh, some planning, some psychological, you know, the stock market's 95% psychology and 5% knowing what to do. That, that's mind boggling. But uh, knowing what to do is, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do. And you know what? In fact, why don't we go through some of that? Because I've been seeing people making some pretty big mistakes over the past couple of years. People they feel like they know what's going to happen next. And then they take an action, mostly going to cash, because okay, they feel like, you know, this is the end of the world. And they go to cash, and the market may go down for a while. They feel really good right up until it stops going down and starts going back up again and then goes back past the play, place that where they sold. And then they're upset at everybody, their family, their advisors, because nobody told them to get back in. And I'm saying him, it's not really, a, it's not just him, female as well. And uh, it's basically investors. So that cycle gets repeated over and over again in a ton of people. So the smaller percentage, it's not a super small percentage, I'd say probably well, maybe 30 or 40% of the investors out there know better than to do that. They know that you do not have to know what's going to happen next 
in order to be successful. You don't need to know it. And the people that are wondering what I'm saying, and if it sounds like I'm uh, talking gibberish or, or just nonsense, well, it's because you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And I'm here to tell you, if you think you can predict the future with a high degree of accuracy, just sit back for a minute. And unless you're past the age of, you know, unless you're not past the age of four, <laughs> you're going to be able to look at a lot of situations in your life where you were surprised. And, you, and if you start keeping a journal and writing it down, watch how many times you're wrong. And by the way, I did that when I was uh, <laughs> new in my career. Somebody uh, had a lot more experience than I did. He took me under his wing and said, hey, well, write, this, write down what you think is, is going to happen. And then I want you to, at the end of a, a month, go back and see how many times you were right. And just do that for about six months. Well, I did that for about six years. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, after six months, I already knew it looked really bad. I mean, what I thought was going to happen in the short run rarely happened. I think I probably got it right about 30% of the time. That means you're wrong about 70% of the time. There's still a way, a way to make money, by the way, uh, without having to be right. And boy, was I relieved to, to figure that out. And uh, I did stop doing that after a while. But it's an, it's an exercise that I always... Uh, like to recommend to people when, when they say, well, where do you think the market's going to be six months from now? Where do you think it'll be a year from now? I go, well, you know, you know, you need to do, you need to keep a journal. You need to write down what you think and see how frequently you get this right. Just write down where you think the market should be and how much you think it's going to go up or down by just do it on, you just do it for six months or six weeks. Just write it down once a day and go back and look, write the exact prices down where you think, or just percentages, it's going to be up 5%, it's going to be down 5%, it's going to be up 10%, whatever. And you do that long enough and you will give that up. You'll actually stop. I laugh all the time when, when I read Peter Lynch's comments on economists. You know, economists were there to make fortune tellers look good <laughs> for their forecasts. The, uh, yeah, and that's because things are constantly changing and the data that the uh economists are using is constantly changing. So when they, by the time you build a model, the, uh, a lot of the numbers that you use for that model will have changed and there may be some new numbers that are introduced and old ones that they got to throw out and it's just constantly changing. So when you think about it, what are you going to do? That's one of the reasons that, that fixed products, products that will guarantee a certain return. That's why they're so popular because now you, you, you can know. You can know the future. It, it's not that that's the greatest product. They're good products. You probably, you got to be careful on how you're using them. If you're too young, the growth portion of that is probably going to be a lot lower than the fixed portion. We'll talk about this too uh, a little bit later in today's show, what I mean by that. The, the growth portion would be your stock funds. Uh, if in the super long run, the stock funds should outperform the fixed accounts. But if you've got less than uh, 15 years, then toss a quarter. But yeah, if you've got less than 10 years, you know, we'll talk about that too. I just got the heads up that I'm heading into commercial break here. So I'll plug my own company <laughs> in the meantime. 
Go to Bullington Capital if you have questions, you hear something you'd like to see more information on. There's a contact us form there. We'd be glad to uh, try to follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. And uh, I do talk a lot. I read a lot and like to share a lot of that information, get feedback from other people, hear what they think. It's uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm pretty lucky that I get to do what I do for a living because I like it and I like hearing things. Um, it is pretty fascinating, pretty funny a lot of times. Actually, I think I could write a pretty good comedy. I, I'd have enough material for at least 10 years because I've been doing this for over 30. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know I was going to have to be a marriage counselor, though, when I became a, finan- <laughs> he became a financial advisor. I, I didn't realize that marriage was part of that. But when you think about it, you know, you look at the statistics. Half of marriages end up not making it. And in most of the cases, they cited money as the main arguing point. That's amazing. Now, when I was new and I saw that material, I thought, oh, that can't be true. That that just can't be true. Now I'm like, no, they're underestimating that. (laughs) At least in my experience over the past 30 years, that's an underestimation. I hear the music. That means I'm going to take a quick commercial break. This is Bill Bollinger right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can find me on the internet by going to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. Feel free to send a question in. Uh, there's a question. There's a contact us page and uh, go ahead and write the question. I get a lot of people who fill out the information, put in their email address, and then forget to put the question in. <laughs> the uh, So... Uh, I probably won't answer those <laughs> right away. Sometimes, I, if I if I can, I always write. You know, I saw that you had a question, but you forgot to write it. You know, so if you, if you do have a question, just feel free to forward that. And I'll try to get back to you as quickly as possible. If you're a client, we try to get back to everybody within 24 hours, uh, and if not sooner. So it's one of the uh, benefits I think of having a, a personal financial advisor. Is really just being able to bounce ideas off of someone else, you know, just to double check your thinking. And oftentimes that's one of the benefits. Uh, if you don't know a whole lot about investing, then you probably can reap a whole lot more benefit. Like what's the difference between a growth fund and a value fund? It's kind of important. 
because they have a tendency not to do well at the same time. And, oh, the first, the, the, the naive investor goes, oh, well, then you know how to get in the one right before it's going to do really well and then get out of that one and get into the other one right before it does really well. No, that's actually not it. That, that would be akin to being a real magician that has real magic. <laughs> the, uh, the investment advisor uh, can tell you, hey, look, the growth-oriented, the ones that um, uh, typically go up more than the overall market does when the market is going up, they have certain criteria in them. Here's, here are the stocks that make up that those investments, that in, those indexes, those funds. And if you uh, have that, if you're in your, you know, if you're below the age of 60, uh, there's no problem having a fairly significant amount of your money in something like that. It's a little more aggressive. If you are past the age of 60, uh, then there are some other things that you might want to add to that so that uh, like somebody looking at the amount of cash that's being generated in the, the stocks that you're uh, picking in those funds. And that's kind of a safety factor. Stocks that are earning profits are generally safer than stocks that are losing money. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, then you really need to talk to somebody. <laughs> if you don't understand that why a company that's never sold a product and doesn't have any sales or profits and is losing money is riskier than Procter & Gamble, who I would be willing to bet if you looked in your kitchen or under your kitchen sink, there's at least five products from Procter & Gamble in there. And guess what? No matter how bad the economy gets, people are probably going to still do their dishes. Uh, they're probably going to still buy diapers for their for their kids, the ones over that age. Procter & Gamble makes that stuff. So the profit margins on Procter & Gamble are really good, and they've got a lot of sales, and they've been around a long time. So see, that that's the difference between a lot of funds. A lot of funds only look at the dollar value of the stock that's outstanding. That's it. They don't look at the business at all. And, you know, that's actually a good strategy if you spread it out and you don't mind a whole lot of up and down. But if you want to try to take some of that away, like in the, the S&P 500 comes to mind. S&P 500 had a more than 10 years where had you had invested and your luck was bad, it was more than 10 years before you saw a profit. More than 10 years. Think about that. By the way, you had to pay taxes on the dividends that the fund was paying every year. So not only did you not make a profit, but you got a, a nice tax bill <laughs> for losing money <laughs> for 10 years. That That's what makes this kind of difficult. I think after all these years, I think it's a lot easier. I mean, it took me five years just to really fully understand what the portfolio managers were talking about in the prospectuses that they published about the funds. And in the prospectus, it's supposed to tell you how the fund actually operates. And and, that, and they do, um, but it takes a long time to assimilate all that knowledge and to have it really mean something to you. Now, it's one thing to read something uh, and take a test and pass a test. It's another thing to do it completely. Ask a surgeon. The... Uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, if you, and by the way, you'd have to have an enormous amount of time, an enormous amount of time 
to really understand the subtle subtleties and to understand that even though that the probabilities are in your favor, that doesn't mean that it's actually going to work out. The probabilities are probabilities, not guarantees. So when you're when you're looking at probabilities, there's always the winners and the losers. Um, but if you continue down certain paths over time, you should do pretty well. And uh, it, it's just unfortunate that so many people actually go to Facebook and see a bunch of ads about the one stock portfolio. And this is it. This is going to solve all your problems. Well, man, if it were that easy, holy cow. Yeah, it's um, it's actually mostly psychology. You know, it's psychological. It's looking at the position that you're in right now. And this is one of the things that, that we do. And you're, you're welcome to set up a, a phone call, a phone meeting to do this if you'd like. How close am I to reaching my retirement plan goals? The uh, It doesn't take me very long. I can do it in my head. And if you tell me how much money you have, I can tell you how much you can expect to uh, reasonably take out uh, of your investments to supplement your income. What do you do if your investments are the income that you can take out with some degree of safety? Okay. When I say some degree of safety, I mean... Uh, the chances of that lasting for at least 30 years and not running out of money. Yeah, that's some degree of safety. When you you get uh, to a point where you can't do that, uh, uh, a lot of people just, well, can't you just make more money? Uh, No, (laughs) you can't. There's a certain, uh, well, you're going to come up against it. You might might get lucky, but... There are certain rules that, that you really need to abide by. And one of them, uh, you've probably heard of the 4% rule. That's a pretty good rule. And now they're talking, and there are some people talking about, well, it's only 3%. Now, yeah, it, it could be. the uh, you know, BlackRock's one of the largest asset managers on the planet. They recommend 4.5% plus inflation. That's the thing that people are not talking about. You got to add that inflation in there. People are very well aware of inflation right now because it's the highest it's been in an incredibly long time. By the way, what they don't tell you is that the inflation rate was at a at record lows for decades. And so yeah, it looks a lot worse unless you're my age and you lived through the 70s and you saw the prices of housing of houses literally go up 100% in four years. <laughs> that is a, that was inflation. And I remember I was in uh, high school and one of my, uh, my speech teachers gave me a C on a speech because I said gasoline was going from 98 cents a gallon to a dollar 35. That stuck in my mind because she gave me a C. <laughs> Because I would say, and she would just, there's no way that's ever going to happen. Think about that again. 98 cents to $1.35. And I was just, you know, it was just the research. And she said, she gave me an A on the presentation uh, and and an F on the fact check. (laughs) They didn't call it fact check back then. So I ended up getting a C. And uh, because she did not want to believe that gasoline prices were going to get to $1.38 a gallon. I wonder if she's still alive. And if she is, what she thinks about it then, uh, now. And uh, and I argued, so I know it, she probably remembers this as much as I do. <laughs> that was pretty loud. The uh, uh, Anyway, so and that's, that's how, uh, you know, cognitive biases, you know, most of life is psychology. Investing is 95% psychology. 
it's 5% being able to read financial statements and understand what they actually mean uh, and having looked at what things have done in the past. That's what you base things on. Like when you look at Procter & Gamble, you look at companies like Procter & Gamble and then you look at the company itself. You look at how they've grown their sales over the years. It's not been a straight line. You look at their profit margins, not a straight line, totally uh, random, but those random numbers tend to aggregate around a certain level. Occasionally you have a really bad year or a really good year. And, uh, but when you look at the longer term averages, it gives you a pretty good idea of what you could expect going forward, although it's not guaranteed. And uh, I would just you know, take that with a grain of salt. But looking at that sort of thing, it really helps. Now, rather than buying a company that has no sales, uh, that has no, that's never earned a profit, I think uh, Beyond Meat comes to mind. That stock was flying because everybody was going to want a veggie burger. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, do, do people not realize, you know, how many of those there are on the market already? And, and this one just tastes so much better. That people are willing to pay five times the amount of the regular veggie burger, the uh, you know I'm I'm pretty sure it did w- good for the sales of their competitors, you know because you get in the uh, grocery store and you see the Morningstar veggie burger that costs like a quarter of what that one cost, <laughs> but it didn't prevent that stock from just going crazy. And you've seen all stocks go through that at some point in time. Well, Microsoft got to a level it should not have sold for. In an incredibly long time period, and it dropped seventy five percent, and it took like sixteen, seventeen years to recover to get back to the price that it had reached in the late nineties or in uh, by early two thousand. Yeah, so that's some of the stuff that you don't hear about, and uh, I like to bring it to your attention because you're going to have to deal with that. So if you had companies that were invested in a lot of those really high growth stocks at that one point in time and you saw the valuations on them and you knew that they were in the funds that you own. Okay. Then you would cut back on that. That's uh, basically what we did. And we just, we didn't completely avoid it, but we did minimize the, uh, the losses and it made our recovery time a whole lot faster. So that's, that's a big deal. I nobody's allowed to promise that you can do that all the time, by the way. And there's no, you know, there's always an element of luck involved. I, I remember being March of 2009. It was the very beginning. By the way, do you know what March of 2009 was? It was the bottom of the stock market's crash that started in November of 2007. Okay, I'm sitting there with the, uh, uh-oh, I got to take a real quick commercial break. <laughs> this is Bill Bullington. I'll be back right after these messages, and I promise to finish that story. Too scared to move and walk out of this tomb Buried underneath the lies that you believed Safe and sound, stuck in the ground Too lost to be found You're just a city And it's time to leave Come on and
Dogs and arrows from my past. I had no hope for tomorrow. Felt so much pressure, yes, I thought I would crack. But now there's no looking back. I'm moving forward, cause I know I've got my armor now. No fear, no doubt, can't shoot me down yet. Yeah. I've got my armor now. No fear, no doubt, gonna shoot me down, 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 down. And we're back. If you hear anything that you'd like more information on, feel free to go to my website and reach out there. There's a contact us page, or you can call 330-664-0700, the, um, and we'll try to answer questions as quickly and as possibly, uh, completely as we can. Uh, please don't ask me what the stock market is going to do in the next six months. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I get that question. What is, oh, well, okay, well, how about next year? The, uh, okay, um, you haven't been listening. <laughs> You can't predict what the market's going to do. And even looking out over a, a three or four year time period, when you're looking at stocks, you really want to be focusing on the long term. That's five years or longer. Five years is a minimum. Okay, that's a minimum. And if you wanted to put money into stock funds that you're going to need within five years, actually within 10 years, okay, then you're not an investor. You're a gambler. You just don't know it. Because somebody's telling you something that you want to hear rather than how it really is. And I refuse to do that. I absolutely refuse. In fact, a lot, a lot of people will come into my office and say, Bill, I, you know, I want to do a, a retirement income plan, uh, which is kind of what we specialize in, building up enough assets to be able to supplement your Social Security or whatever pensions you have one day and be able to retire without having to go back to work okay? and trying to maintain your lifestyle. That, that's what we focus on. How do you accumulate enough assets to be able to do that? And the age you want to retire, that's up to you. You know, if, if you think you can do it when you're in your 40s, great. You know, I have a couple of clients that could have done that. They're still working because they like what they're doing. But they know they could walk away at any point in time and be able to live the same lifestyle they're living now in, uh, uh, just off of their investments and what they would get in Social Security one day. And most of them are not, they're not even thinking about Social Security, so they don't, they don't even need it. Um, and pretty, they, they're rare, by the way. In fact, the, the vast majority of people really need to buckle down. And they really need somebody to talk to them straight, straight up. When you're looking at stock returns, those funds that I was talking about, the ones that, that use a, a momentum and a quality of profits as part of the selection criteria, those are great funds. They're also volatile because they're stocks. All stocks are volatile. No stocks are not volatile. Now, the reason my voice gets, I get so excited about that is I've had so many people try to argue about it. And so I apologize. If you're listening out there, when you come in the office, I, I, I'm not going to raise my voice like this unless you say that 10 times. The ninth, the 10th time you say that, then I'm going to blow up. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But uh, and then that's the the problem with the vast majority of people who don't do well in the stock market is that they don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand how the market actually works. Uh, over time, people love to point out the S and P 500. You know, beats 90 percent of all funds. That's true. You know, it's I don't know if it's 90. It's probably 25. It's probably in the top 25 percent. You'll have to go look it up after this show. 
but uh, but it's very good. And there are a bunch of other index funds that are very good as well. And they don't all move together at the same time. And that's a good thing. Because if they did, then your, your portfolios would be a lot more volatile than they are. And uh, anyway, you got to learn how to spread them out uh, intelligently. You don't want to look at the last five and 10 year best performers that, that oftentimes those things are peaking and are going to, you know, you get in them, maybe you capture the last year and everything's, oh, great. And then it crashes and takes 10 years to recover. That, that, that's the, the name of that tune. I've seen that so many times. And uh, one of the very, very first things I did when I started in the business, I was broke. I was just out of college. It was the first job I'd had outside of working with my father. The, uh, and I didn't know anything, but I did know I scraped together a thousand bucks. I actually, I don't know, it wasn't a thousand bucks. It was $700. $700 was a lot of money for a kid who's broke, <laughs> has to pay all of his own bills, already has a child of his own. The, uh, and to spend $700, on a database that would allow me to, to back test investment strategies at a, at a very high level. Now, see, this was back in the late eighties, 700 bucks was a lot of dough. Yeah. And that was my level of, uh, I wanted to know, and I wanted to be able to do the right job and I want to be able to help people myself included. So I ran all these simulations over and over and over and over. I think I killed, I did. I actually killed the computer. You know, back in those days, the, uh, uh, the, the hard drives are like 50 megabytes. People don't know what 50 megabytes means anymore. <laughs> and uh, that thing, I think it took up like 45 megabytes. <laughs> that one program nearly filled my, all the, the space on my hard drive. And the hard drive, by the way, it was like a five by five by five cube. That was inside the uh, the PC, and it was a, it was a personal computer. It wasn't a laptop, and uh, so just crazy. But I really—that's how bad I wanted to know. By the way, that computer was a lot more than that software was, and uh, and the printer was is was also a lot more than the software was. So I'm here dying, working my butt off, trying to pay the bills and everything else I made, I was investing into my business for my knowledge. And, uh, you know what? I got to tell you, it helped. I'm not sorry. I did that in, in for 10 seconds. The, uh, I would have not known any of this stuff. And the, the rest of my career has actually been reinforcing everything. I learned the first five years in the industry. It's just going deeper and deeper in, into all that stuff. And, and that's, very important, not because of the knowledge, but because of the comfort, the, the knowledge itself. Like I said, it's, there's only 5% of it. that's actually relevant. And uh, the rest of it is just the comfort that you get in knowing what you know and knowing that what you know is accurate and being able to hear and tell when somebody's bragging at a cocktail party about how well they're doing and you know the numbers and you're like, yeah, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> You can't say that kind of stuff, by the way, you just can, unless you want to, you know, create a disruption, but the, uh, you have to just be quiet, but at least, you know, yeah, that BS her. <laughs> and now uh, there are a lot of those, man. Uh, it's not, that is unbelievable. And, uh, I, it's like, they don't realize, you know, we didn't have Google back in those days, so they could get away with it, but you say something stupid today, 
somebody can find out like lickety split. And then what are they going to think of you? So now I know people that are that have the habit of saying outrageous things. If they're listening today and they hear this segment, they're going to ignore this part anyway. So this is just for the people who might be thinking about saying something, but haven't actually joined that club yet. <laughs> uh, oh, well, <laughs> I hated psychology class in college. <laughs> you know, I thought it was such a waste of time. And now I wish I would have taken a lot more classes. It sure would have made my life a lot easier, but uh, uh, it's crazy. And uh, oh, by the way, and I did start, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write, I've put out another blog. I think, oh, I'll, actually, the blogs I'm just going to run on my uh, existing website. Because a lot of this stuff is really not that difficult intellectually. In, in other words, you don't have to know a lot of advanced math to be able to do a pretty good estimate of what a stock should sell for. Now, why is that important? Why should you know that? Well, because if you don't know that, that would be like you know playing a card game and not looking at your cards, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine? And by the way, there's a pretty good chance, you know, if it was blackjack, that you would probably win a, a fairly significant <laughs> amount of time because of all the other people making errors. But the, uh, anyway, the bottom line is that you, you just, it's not that hard. The stuff that you need to know, like if you're looking at a company, okay, two things. Two things you really need to know. You need to know what their sales are, and you need to know what a, a um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, I guess what a normal profit margin would be for that type of company. And then you can go look into the company's uh, financial statements to see if their profit margins are higher than average. And if so, then you want to look into why, but not until then. If they don't have sales, you can skip the company. That's not an investment in stocks. That's a lottery ticket. You know how many companies go out of business every year? The ones that already have sales and clients and customers? Okay. If you don't have sales, then the chances, you know, a lot of biotech companies, yeah, there's, their share prices go up. So does Bitcoin. There's nothing standing behind Bitcoin. You know, there's nothing standing behind a digital currency. That's another thing that people don't really understand about the digital currency thing. And by the way, that it's not new technology. The Fed's been using that since 1967. Yeah, <laughs> this is old. It just got around to the public actually getting involved in creating their own networks. Okay, so that's that's another story for another show. But the, uh, the bottom line is, if you have sales now you might be able to produce some economic value because if you can keep your costs below what your sales were, you can actually have a profit. And that's what drives the long-term value of a company's stock, sales and profits. And uh, again, I'll, I'll be posting this stuff out there uh, within the next month or so. So that, uh, cause I know there are a lot of people just getting out of college and, you know, I, and I, talk to young people who go into college and come out with a degree in finance and, and they're going to learn all this stuff. They pass the tests to uh, get their diplomas and now they're really going to have a chance to put it, put it into practice and it'll speed their learning curve up and everybody needs to be to a certain level. At least that's how I feel. You should be able to understand the very basics 
and past the very basics is is it going to matter that you know that you've memorized all you know 10,000 plus pages of the uh uh generally accepted accounting principles not really the uh it, it's not really necessary to do that is it going to help you probably a little bit not as much as you think it will the uh but uh but you know heck I've way overstudied for a whole ton of things so if it makes you happy you know go ahead and do it but uh and hopefully you've got some grounding in there uh, that's basically what I see you know the philosophies of the the better investors that have ever lived they looked at the companies and they looked at what they were doing how profitable they were the judgment comes in from okay is this company do I think it's sustainable do I think it can grow and that part by the way there's no guaranteed way to get that one right there are tons of companies I thought well these guys are gonna grow like crazy they were already growing like crazy and and they didn't and they stopped and then there were other companies I was like, yeah, I'm not sure this looks like, you know, this, they could have a lot of competition coming in and eating into their um, markets. And, and then they went on to dominate. <laughs> so that's what you get for uh, trying to predict the future with a high degree of accuracy. And when you do that, now, if you, if you had a bunch of stocks, let's say you had a bunch of stocks whose sales were rising, who had very good profit margins relative to all the stocks in the stock market and whose share prices were rising. I just described the Russell 1000 growth fund. That's exactly what it's doing. Oh, the other thing is they got to be in the top 1000 companies by, by size. Okay. So I just described that. And by the way, it works, works very well. And there are actually a few hundred stocks in that fund. So you're getting really spread out because not everyone is going to work. And I forgot to talk about the uh, fixed indexed annuities, by the way. When you get to a certain age, you probably want to start locking down a portion of your money to get guarantees on it. And uh, we'll talk about that on, on next week's show. And you can definitely give me a call. I can send you to a website that will give you an estimate of what kind of income you could get that would be guaranteed by uh, Nationwide. Um, and they're an insurance company. They're, uh, um, I do a lot of business with them. There, there are other car carriers that I use as well. Uh, or am going to so and that's another thing you need to stay tuned for the uh, uh, we've got we're working on expanding our relationships with some areas and products that we don't have access to right now one of them was treasuries where we can buy tre short-term treasuries and I'm working on that it's not really fully available yet to roll out in a uh, big way but that's pretty cool because uh, treasury, I think the two-year treasuries right now are paying 2.2, 2.3, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, that's a good good place to park your safe money if you don't want it to, to fluctuate much. Um, those bonds don't fluctuate much at all because they're super short-term in nature. You can sell them when you want. You know, And again, it's, it's not ready to go um, 100% yet, So, but we will be. And uh, there's even a, a, a market for CDs. This, that's hilarious. You can buy and sell CDs from the banks all over the country, just like you'd buy a, a government bond. And uh, I think it's uh, hilarious, but it's been around for a while. It's just improved a lot. There's a, well, according to the new platform. And uh, again, we're, we're just learning it now. And we'll be talking about that more in future shows. But I will just tell you that a good hiding place, if, you, if you're worried over the next couple of years, you've got money that you can't afford to watch it drop in value, then 
you know, at least you get a 2.2, uh, 2.3 percent uh, government bond. So, by the way, those seven percent government bonds they're talking about are eight or nine or whatever it is. Uh, don't listen. They, you can only put ten thousand dollars into it, and it's really difficult to. There are all, all kinds of uh, uh, things that you need to know about it before you invest in that. Anyway, I hear the music. That means I got to go. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.